Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. And on this podcast today, we're going to do what I'm going to call a friendly exchange of ideas. <laughs> or if you want to be less charitable about it, a debate. And this debate is about a particularly contentious issue on the Theology Gaming Group and blogs and everything else. <laughs> and that topic is the idea of feminism in video games. What are its applications? Should we believe it or not? Is this something Christians should engage in fruitfully, or is it something that is totally antithetical to our religious inclinations? Now, I kind of couch that in absolute terms, but I would guess that this debate is going to be much less absolute than that. Because we are friendly people, and friendly people don't try to kill each other by reaching their hands through their monitor <laughs> and trying to rip the other person out. So, we have two people who I would call in the four camp, and I believe their names are M. Joshua Collar. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> and Yen Wang. Good evening. Or morning, depending. <laughs> Yo. And on the against side, we have Brian Hall. Good morning. And Justin Fox. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather get your guys' opinion on this idea. Since uh, Josh is the one who originally posted the video that led to this, <laughs> huh. I think you should start off. Please, tell me what you think of the Tropes versus Women in Video Games video. Okay, yeah, sure. So um, I guess just coming into it, just to give a little bit of a recap for those who are coming into this conversation and don't know how it arrived. Uh, approximately last summer, there was a Kickstarter uh, account that was started by a woman named Anita Sarkeesian, and she basically just said, I want to make a video that reveals the um, the tropes against women in the video game industry, you know, narrative problems, um, any, anything that and, – and, and it doesn't take a genius to look at it and say, like, there's a very white male-dominated – world of making of video games largely and uh you know and that results in sexism and and all sorts of objectification of women and very various things along those lines so she tried to turn that into um she just wanted to raise six thousand dollars and in the process elicited probably the most negative response i've ever seen on the internet of hundreds of actually we don't know exactly how many people came against her but some of the most like cyber not terrorism is not the right word but cyber bullying that i've ever seen and uh, so everyone's like, all right, well, she's awful. Um, and then the or on one side and then on the other side, everyone says she's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Let's give her lots of money. And so she ends up with one hundred and sixty thousand dollars or one hundred and twenty. I don't know. It was well over one hundred thousand dollars to make a six thousand dollar video series and getting us to where we are now. I've I've been following this since I heard about it late last summer so like i i came onto the ship a little bit after everything else and and was very intrigued especially by watching her ted talks on the subject and how how it all came came to pass but i came to it from from a perspective of yes i want to hear more female perspectives in the video game industry and hearing the criticism from somebody who i don't i don't come from a feminist background i don't come from a, a liberal background i don't come from any of those things so i wanted to hear where she was coming from and basically just listen and that's that's where I come into the the conversation, not with a lot of experience with feminists, feminism at large, not a lot of experience with. I don't, yeah, I, I guess that's just me coming into the, the, the perspective from where I'm coming at. I think that pretty much sums it up. So when we got to discussing the subject on theology gaming just this past week or so, I 
was a little bit surprised to see how much it elicited a very negative response from some folks and uh, turned me into a little bit of a rage monster. So I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no, these are debates. This is what happens. Everybody kind of goes, oh, you believe this. And then it's like, oh, no, I don't. You believe that. And everybody freaks out. Uh, the, one, the one thing that I will add on to that is that um, when, when you brought up the subject and you posted the initial blog on the site, um, the, the thing that I really wanted to get into um, wasn't necessarily like, I, and I understand, I'm a lot more of a holistic mindset perspective. So I want to see the whole perspective, where someone's coming from, examine it and, and things along those lines. But on this case, for whatever reason, I'm a lot, a lot more inclined because I know that, you know, fundamentally, Anita is not a Christian. And so I, I, I don't go into it expecting that this is going to line up with biblical perspectives. But I kind of want to go into yeah. the examples of here over here is some examples that she cites that are major issues in, in the world of video game storytelling and the, the, how, how women are handled and treated largely with some of the biggest title games in not just the world, but specifically in our, in our country, the United States. And, well, I can't really say for Singapore because I don't know what the video game scene is like there. So I apologize, Yen. Pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah. We don't, yeah. We don't play American football, but everything else is pretty much the same. Yeah, I figured, considering you and I have like the same taste in games. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that pretty much wraps up where I'm coming from, um, that I, I really like... Uh, the points that she makes, uh, very specifically in in the Tropes versus Women videos, um, I found them very informative and eye-opening in some ways. Um, and uh, I hope that we can get into the specific points, especially when she starts talking about like women in the fridge and the the subject of women being used as violent plot devices purely for the the the, the illusion of of masculine character development. Like that's that is a criticism that I'm fully on board with. To uh, jump over to the other side, Brian Hall, what do you think of the videos? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Are you awake, good sir? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know what? I don't have a problem overall with the videos as far as what she's saying. I do believe that uh, the damsel in distress trope, um, it is a common and it is an overused theme that's been used since the 1980s. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is that I feel like she ignores uh, cultural context and that she pulls obscure games to fit her narrative. And that's where I've got an issue. And that's where my issue stops. Uh, after you pulled up that other video, Zach, which I want to thank you, by the way, for that yesterday, made my day at work a lot more interesting, which was Tropes versus Women number five, The Mystical Pregnancy, where she ended up going in and talking about basically how Christ, uh, she like belittled Christ's birth. I didn't appreciate that, but that's really not what we're talking about today. Um, but it did confirm to me uh, her background. And ultimately, I feel like she has an agenda as a feminist, which ultimately goes against Christianity. And that's my beef with her. But we don't have to talk about that. We can really focus on part one and part two. And I'm good with that. So anyone else? I'm still waking up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, to Yen, what do you think uh -huh. of the video? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening and I'm, I don't think we actually have disagreements. My, like Josh, I was very interested in the video. Um, I mean, let me just go on a digression. I think one of my seminary profs he mentioned that, that there was this bunch of, there's this bunch, there's this field in theology, which I just can't remember, that was pretty stagnant for a while until postmodernism and feminism critique came in and then it actually helped to advance that, that group, that, that area of theology. So what I was interested in wasn't so much um, 
am I going to believe or I'm going to buy into Sarkeesian's views? But from her perspective and from her analytical lens, can she uncover new insights that will help us understand some issues better? Or uh, can she uncover, can she give us some fresh perspective from which we um, know what some problems in gaming are and how we better move forward? And I think she has. So I appreciate her for doing that. Yeah, I don't buy her stand. I mean, it's very clear she has a feminist agenda, but that doesn't mean that we can't listen to her views. We can't take her her analysis seriously and then see what insights we can have from that. Uh, Justin, what do you think of the videos, if anything? I try to be an objective observer with things like this a lot of times. I don't like to take sides. Uh, I just like to take, you know, the objective Christian side of things and everything, you know. Not to say that no one else here does, but you know what I'm saying. It's just kind of how I'm thinking to the rest of the audience. But I look at it almost like... I look at it as a minority because I'm colored. I love saying colored. It's just like an <laughs> awkward term. I love saying that. C O L O U R E D. Colored. Anyway, so um, <laughs> but I look at it as 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 a minority, and I know that even in my own culture, there are people who are of color who see things that are racially um, insensitive or see things that are very obviously not or skewed towards, you know, more of a white male demographic or whatever it may be, you know. And these things are obvious, you know, in the media and things like that, you know. So those are the obvious things. And then there are some people who are militants who no matter what, it's all racism every single time, you know. It's like... I mean, you can point to anything and they'll say that, see, this is how the white man's trying to control your mind right here. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) Are we we really, you know, going there with a box of Cheerios? You know what I'm saying? It's It's like, it's like we can't take a box of Cheerios and then tie that into racism somehow. I mean, so I feel, though, like sometimes that she is pushing more towards that militant side rather than just addressing the issues and the facts, saying that, okay, here's what is happening with women in this instance right here. But then there's like, you know, saying that, oh, well, men are looking at women as objects when they go out to save them. I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe the guy is actually trying to be chivalrous and actually wanting to save the girl because the girl's not a warrior and she actually does honestly and earnestly need help. Princess Peach probably needs some assistance. But, you know, I was just saying that to try to retro to try to almost like retrofit a famous agenda and saying that somehow Mario and Peach have this property ownership thing going on, that to me interjects things going beyond just, you know, the damsel in distress thing. Yeah, that trope exists, and yeah, this needs to move past that. And the things that she's talking about, I'm not discrediting all everything she's talking about, but she kind of hops this fence sometimes between showing the link and saying that, okay, this is an obvious thing that's happening. And then she kind of goes into this kind of subjective, almost, view of is objectifying women if they're being saved. Like, wait a minute, uh, that really... <laughs> Princess Peach can't fight, <laughs> you know. So, Justin, um, well, Justin, that, have you yeah. played Super Smash Brothers? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that. I was, about to, I, I was just about I, to I know, say. I know, I'm teasing. I'm in, teasing. In, in, I'm in, in the main time. series, yeah, <laughs> in the main series, she she can't she can't fight. So, no, yeah, yeah. no, I I understand. Actually, I'd yeah. like to add, I'd like to add one thing to Justin's point, just to make things a little clearer. 
her first thing that she goes into in part one video is mm -hmm. to talk about Dinosaur Planet, which everyone knows turned into Star Fox Adventures. Sure. Now, what she doesn't mention, and which I would call a bit of historical revisionism, is that Dinosaur Planet actually had two playable characters. One of them is Crystal, and the other one is Saber, who looks suspiciously like Star Fox, mm -hmm. which may explain a lot of why they basically turned it into a Star Fox game, which is money. Yeah. Because money is a powerful motivator, and if you can turn it into a Star Fox game, then it's very easy. Yeah, it's a lot as, easier to, to turn something off uh, out of a known IP as opposed to just running with something that's brand new. Yeah, because Dinosaur Planet was going to be an N64 game originally, too, and there's all other sorts of things like that. So Actually, actually, she did mention that there were two playable characters. Uh, Does she? she was only going to, yeah, she did. Uh, and I, th I, was re I was listening to some of the responses to her first video. A lot of people just mentioned that, look, video games appeal to a certain market. So, of course, game designers will put out storylines or put out character designs that appeal to that market because it's money, it's profit. So, yeah, I think a lot of people have made that comment. But I think they are misreading what she was really saying. I think she was going, you can disagree with her, of course, but she was going to line it's not so much game designers were being so. What's the word for uh, sexist? She, game designers were not sexist when they did it. They were just maybe lazy in their in their writing. But she she wants to make the claim that they have social responsibility not to do it anymore because it makes society worse. I think that's really her stand, which I think a lot of people didn't see. They really thought they were just she was just claiming game designers to be sexist. Yeah. Can I rabbit trail for just a minute? Yep. Have you guys noticed lately there's kind of been a backlash against violence in video games? It started with Bioshock Infinite, where they tell a great story, but the violence kind of seems tacked on. And just talking about social responsibility, it seems like there's kind of a cultural tide that is slowly building to go against violence. I, just, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, this is that's actually something that's been going on for a lot longer than even than even Bioshock. I mean, like this goes way back to the first time stealth games didn't have gave you the option to not kill guys <laughs> uh it was a lot larger uh, I, I was harping on it i actually wrote an article on game church that was a, a love letter or a try an attempted breakup letter with violent video games back in february and i i, tr I tried to because I, I i'm actually a little bit more in that camp for less violent video games especially games that that honored the, the option to not use violence like dishonored and things like that but i am not necessarily able to get away from video games that don't have violence because there's there's a certain level of there's a lot that goes into that and as, as i found when i was writing that article but yeah that that is definitely a trend and that's that's also something that anita brought up heavily is especially in trips versus women or um damsel in distress episode two was about how there's a lot of games that uh the problem is that we engage in games with through violence like that's literally the the device through which you experience like like you said said bioshock infinite like you're a gun throughout the whole game <laughs> a floating gun <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and then and then that makes me think of the uncharted series where there's a total disconnect between the violence that the characters doing on screen when you're playing you're mowing down 40 to 50 guys and then it cuts to a cut scene and he's a really relaxed dude versus a mass serial killer you know being yeah. a big big difference with that What's interesting in her second video is that most of her references, they were mostly obscure games besides like Gears of War 2 was on there. And they were mostly horror games. I don't know how many games out of the ones that she covered on that that you guys have actually played. I've only played Prey and that was just a little bit of it. And I was disgusted by the way the game ended. 
um, with his girlfriend being strapped onto a, you know a robot basically, and he had to kill her you know to win the game. That was gross. I don't know what you guys thought. I played Devil May Cry four and Ninja Gaiden two. I think she mentioned both of those, right? In, I don't in the remember first that. One, I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Those two weren't oh, yeah. really mentioned all that often, though. I think that she showed more more video of it than actually talking about it. But yeah, a lot of God of War talk, that sort of thing. Yeah, God God of War definitely. Um, but um, uh, specifically on Brian's point about, and this is this is something that's actually really good for us to talk about, is that that talking point uh, from that example of prey, um, of of the woman who you have to essentially put out of put out the of misery. Um, yeah, the mercy killing. Yeah, that that whole mercy killing thing. I think that I'm pretty sure we can all get on board on on how on on emphasizing like this is a really bad trend in in video games that that but and yes that there is a lot of like much more hard darker gorier style of games but it's it 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 goes uh the the American popular examples that she picked that I'd pull from because I didn't even know some of the Japanese ones she pulled from are uh Gears of War 2 specifically when uh the main character Dom has to put puts his what his wife down when she's like in misery or something. I don't know. I never played Gears of War. I played Gears of War too. So basically she's like tortured and mm-hmm. to the point that she's basically a comatose corpse skeleton. She's non-responsive, catatonic. So yeah. basically Dom kills her, but then Dom dies and what do you call it? Gears of War 3. So Okay. <laughs> I think that's spoiler part. alert. <laughs> yeah, well that's a spoiler, but the game came out 2 years ago, so I don't care. Yeah, yeah, understood. <laughs> but uh, again, yeah. Dom does die in the end, and it's intentional, probably in terms of the story arc. But uh, so, the, so the his other... death justifies her death, is what you're saying, Zach? Or not that it justifies it, but that it's supposed <laughs> to be. He's the friend of Marcus Phoenix. Phoenix survives, but he's on a downward spiral after his wife dies. So he's willing to sacrifice himself because he has nothing left. See, I've it, I've it... never played a game where I've had to shoot someone at the end to win. It, it sounds really warped. I don't know, but have you guys played any of the games that she listed at all where you've actually had to do that at the end? I think in Fear, you actually shoot your own brother in the head. Again, another messed up game, though. Yeah, but that's really messed up. That whole game is messed up. But <laughs> Yeah, I think, I, think that, I think that's what the problem is, is that it shouldn't just be regulated, you know, violence against women, you know. I mean, yes, this is bad, you know, but just in terms of violence, period, I mean, why is it being used so much in the first place? Well, it's, you know, why in, in a in the theological sense, but it's, so it's kind of like, okay, so if you swapped out these torture scenes and things like that, you know, with a dude, is that, is it that much better? It's like, no, it's not. It's still horrible and graphic and, and, and disturbing. So I think the thing to really get past all that is to, for developers, including myself, you know, to look to, if you're going to use violence, you know, don't use it in a, um, was the new, the new term is, Lunar narrative dissonance, <laughs> um, <laughs> me, meaning that you know it's out of place violence. You oh, know, ten dollars. Like, yeah, yeah. It's I I found this. I think uh, Adam Sessler was talking about it on his um on his um YouTube channel. He was talking about how Bioshock Infinite had this really interesting, almost kind of charming kind of story to it and everything. And, uh, and then when you get to the game, there's all this you know decapitation and all that type of stuff. You know, it's just kind of like okay. You're, you were telling your story well, so why is there all this huge amounts of buckets of blood spray and violence and people getting decapitated and cut in half and all this other type of stuff? So that's what they mean by just that kind of dissonance within the game itself. Uh, yeah. I think if you're going to use violence, let's use it in a way that's going to push the narrative, but you don't want to even use it to that kind of extreme. 
So I don't see the problem getting better if it's not directed towards women. Um, it's, 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 the, it's just a problem with violence. I just think it's what the main thing is. I think it's what you should have, you know, pointed out more rather than just saying, you know, oh, it's just against women. No, it's against men also. They're getting blown to smithereens too. Well, specifically, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, the, the main thing that I think that her point especially when you're dealing with the the mercy killings and all those things along those lines, is that it's not necessarily about the violence itself. And the specific word that she used isn't violence, but victimization. So uh, complete helplessness and the, the un- inability for women to escape these situations and used predominantly as devices for char- for male character development. And that's 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 actually the, the bigger problem. I mean, like, when, when you're talking about violence in the abstract, of course... Um, everyone who, every depiction of, of a character in a game is, is going to be uh, uh, susceptible to that to some degree. But this is also why we're not, you know, she's not going to be talking about the latest Tomb Raider game where Lara has to go through extremely hard, difficult situations because it's, you know, it's not about violence being on a woman, but necessarily, specifically the victimized woman. Like Brian had brought up of, of the girlfriend on the back of the insect mega alt ultimate boss at uh, the end of Prey. The, I think that that's the, the bigger issue is when women are used as victims purely for the character masculine character development or the illusion of masculine character development. And this goes back to the, the woman in the fridge trope that she introduced, which was based on the idea of from Green Lantern comic where he comes home and finds his girlfriend in a fridge and that's supposed to propel him forward into a massive revenge quest and which is where Max Payne comes into play, where God of War comes comes into play, um, and that whole story arc. I think that's the bigger criticism than necessarily violence uh, in the abstract. Max Payne is a strange case, actually, in that. Because while his wife and child die... Uh, yeah, wife and child, let me say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the story arc is much less about his initial you know, inciting act and more about how he can't develop normal human relationships in the course of his life. So in the second game, he falls in love with another woman, and that woman is a strong female who has character development, who also dies by a stray bullet at the end of the game. But he still isn't allowed to form relationships because just bad things happen to Max Payne. And okay. it's as a result of his bad life decisions that I think that he someone, ends up someone gave him a, a bad prophetic name when he was born. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why, like, in the third game, he's got the shaved head and everything. And they're basically copying Man on Fire. But Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's all this failure to make good life decisions and solving all problems through violence that, end up, that he ends up where he is. Yeah. So that makes a lot more sense in that context. And then I would say in terms of the God of War, and I can't believe I'm defending God of War on this. Don't do it. It's it's supposed to be in the vein of Greek mythology, right? Yeah. So there's always this idea of the Oedipal complex, you know, that you may or may not be in love with your mother. Yeah, yeah. And so so when when Kratos goes and kills his own mother, who turns into a giant creature or whatever... It makes sense in terms of these stories that he does that because he ends up killing just about everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the Kratos mo. Yeah, 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 and and that's 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 kind of what I'm talking about too. Is that I feel like not the all these examples he's using are examples that are trying to accomplish that. And she does admit, you know, at the end of this, I think in the second video that you know, I know that not all this is intentional or whatever you know, but some of the things that he's talking about. 
it's like the like the story itself is taken out of context in order to retrofit it into a feminist agenda, if the, if that makes sense. And that's where I'm kind of like, well, I mean, because I understand what I understand and see what she's talking about. Certainly, I mean, anyone you know, Stevie Wonder in a cave under the sea can see what you're talking, what she's talking about. But it's like I don't know. It's like there's, there's, like I said, there's this crossing over to where there's it goes too far into this almost idealized. It's, it's almost like an ironic thing where she's saying that look. Here's where all the victimization is happening with these characters, and yet she's almost victimizing herself within this role, pointing out all these things are happening. If that makes sense, it's kind of a weird. It's kind of a weird, you know, paradox she's doing. It's like she wants to bring up all these things and everything. You know, she makes the case so good that almost like she victimizes herself. Yeah, herself in a way by failing to transcend it, right? Or or, or right, blaming right, it on right. a patriarchal. No, culture. I, I think it's a it's a it's a pretty common uh, feminist paradox where, for example, she says that you know women should be given the power to make their own decisions, what blah blah blah, but in the end she complains when men are responsible for domestic violence, right? And why is that? Because men are, are physically stronger, so she just ignores that side of the effect and says that there's a there's a. So I think it's a very common kind of. Feminist paradox there, where yeah, I, I kind of agree where and see where Justin is coming from. I I don't know if she's cherry picking the examples because most of the games I'm not familiar with. She might be, but I, I think she's given sufficient food for thought. I think even just a separate, just I think she explains the context of the game adequately, right? Even if I mean this is a mercy killing, this is a woman in the fridge. I I don't think that's wrong. I think too that in terms of this feminist, what goes on with this too is that. To go beyond all that, you know, I like to go, I like to try to go beyond, you know, these things also because it's kind of like this can, because I see that in terms of racial relations, you know, for me culturally is that some people never go beyond it. It's just kind of like, you know, the white people are trying to keep us down. It's like, look, the white people are not trying to keep you down. Okay. Like there are things that you're doing in your life that is preventing you from getting to where you need to go. Like shooting at each other from time to time. That could be something to where, you know, this will this will keep you in this in a bad situation. And we can't blame this on the white people. So I guess that's kinda of where I get my motivations from trying to figure these things out. I think that the feminist what she's saying is that there is that responsibility of feminism to me seems more like a male ownership type of thing where it's not really a a, a a woman's issue is more of a man's of a, of a male's issue because if yeah we're thinking this way then it's going to be our issue our failing if we're th- if we're thinking this way i mean i mean even the fact that we don't question this more than we do and th- the things that she's brought up we don't question this more than we do means that we failed as men in society and the fact that you know some of these women that are you know dems in the stress and so weak and so kind of pitiful in these games shows that we see as though the women had to be so weak for us to be masculine, that's a failing on our part also. So I look at feminism as not so much as a uh, problem for women, it's more a problem for men. I'm looking at what she's saying as something that's, you know, to where I had to look at it in a personal light and say that, you know, am I failing, you know, not just like the video games or whatever, you know, but am I failing speaking to other people about you know biblical manhood or just manhood in general am i doing that correctly and a lot of times i'm mad to say that i'm not and that's why 
the feminist, mu- feminist movement is where it is now. Yeah, I may be I rambling always- some, you know, but I just I don't yeah, know. No, but those are good points. I mean, the, the the main thing about all of it is that it that when you start talking about gender roles and and what feminism and stuff like that, you're talking about different people having problems with the way that authentic sexual identity is walked out, uh, basically. Um, and one of one of our challenges in our conversation today is the fact that we're talking about feminism and we're all dudes. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I don't particularly follow that narrative. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, just the aspect of you know, if we're going to be discussing the nature of, of women in video games and 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 the, the, that whole realm, there's a certain aspect of wait, we don't have a a, a female's perspective in this at all. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, well, I, I understand that line of thought, but the thing about gender politics and mm-hmm. uh, racial politics is that it basically says, well, you, I have a exclusive experience. And therefore, you can't comment on this because you are of a different gender or a different race, which is, seems like such an arbitrary distinction when it comes to these conversations. If we're allowed to talk about it, then it should be just done on a rational basis, right? Mm. Or at least a logical one so that everybody can be involved without saying, oh, well, I can dismiss you because you are of something different than I. And I have the exclusive experience. So yeah, I'm, just, I'm just cautious about this. Kind yeah, of thing. no, I understand. I mean, like... On one on one aspect of it, there's definitely that that consideration. Uh, but there's also the fact that I'm I'm not necessarily saying that that one person's perspective invalidates anyone else's, other than just the fact that it's really good to have a girl in a conversation like this. Not not to say that she has a perspective that that uh, is going to trump ours in every way or or anything like that. But um, I I had talked to my wife about um, her potentially being on this podcast, but you know, one she hasn't gotten a chance to watch the videos yet, and she's in her own words, kind of a, a recovering feminist um, in a lot of ways. and Recovering? From what kind of thing? <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. I mean, like, recovering from feminism. Like, like that's that's sort of, like, more so where she's coming from. Um, was, she a, was she a very aggressive kind of feminist? No, no, not at all. Not at all. And that's, and that's kind of the mm. consideration that I want to bring to the conversation is that, you know, when you start talking about feminism and when, when, when there's a certain level of assumption on where someone's coming from on those things and and of course when words like patriarchs get you know when words like that get thrown around yeah it gets a little testy (laughs) sure but that i mean what what it really comes down to i mean especially in in uh conservative christian and and our age group circles of of writers i've seen a lot of christian writers who are women who are very very attentive to female centric issues and you know in in some ways people have been using the term christian feminists just saying that there's there's a diversity of opinions um and and when you start talking about games and feminism and you know all those things there's a, a a large diversity of different opinions and values and some women who are like you know i i have no problem whatsoever with female sexualization and Others who are like, you know, women should always be wearing complete, full, real armor that's made for men, you know, and there's 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 a diversity there. I think that should probably happen, too, because these <laughs> these battle armors that these women have on these games are kind of like that doesn't cover up anything. You are going to be hurt, madam. Put some clothes on. Thank you. <laughs> or at least chafing. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> It's funny to me. Yeah. Go ahead. Actually, yeah. one, one one website that I know of uh, is specifically dedicated. I, I believe it's run by a, f- a feminist woman. Uh, is all about how t- I can't remember the name of it offhand, but it's all about getting real armor on these girls so that they can not die. Because if you have a breastplate or uh, armor that shapes to cup size, does 
is you're, it's going to kill you because the the chest plate in the center, if you're hit with something, is going to kill you by the impact alone because it's not designed yeah, right. I read the article. There was an article on Kotaku, I think, on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I saw that also, which is yeah, I, interesting. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys read uh, Kevin Kevin Schutz uh, of Games and God. He has one chapter dedicated to this. He talks about gender issues, and he actually takes a pro-feminist stance. That's quite interesting. So yeah, yeah, I, go, I like that go, book a lot. Go check out that chapter of the book. I think your position on this issue is also going to stem from your idea of biblical gender roles. So let's say you are an egalitarian. You're going to say men and women are completely equal in every way, and therefore should be treated as such. And then that would play into the to the general feminist narrative. On the other hand. You may or may not be a complementarian where you say men and women are different, but that's good. And they're not, I don't want to say not equal, but they're no, not the same. Uh, they are the equally equal, valuable, but, but different uh, roles. Yeah. 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 And that's going to skew your view on the feminist, the whole feminist idea a little bit too. That's kind of where I am though. Um, I think that, um, I guess the issue frustrates me because I look at the role that men need to play in terms of, you know, uh, biblical manhood. And I see and understand the outrage of the women, obviously, because these things are being accomplished by the men. So feminism frustrates me, not in so much that what they're saying is wrong or anything like that, you know. I mean, like I said, I, I, I mind militancy, you know, but I don't mind pointing out that, hey, these things are wrong. It frustrates me that so many men have failed women. That's the main thing that frustrates me about about the whole issue. And you think that's yeah. what causes all of this? Yeah, I, um, I do too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard this said before too. Is that um, um, oh, someone's jamming out. Hello? Okay, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I've heard this said too. Is that if from from a woman's perspective, if you're said to if you're told to okay take care of the kid we'll go we'll go back to like the 50s I don't know or 40s or whatever but we'll go back to, we'll just go back to the traditional uh, household okay so if you're supposed to take care of the kids take care of all the housework do all these things then the husband comes home kind of kiss off his feet and everything you know supposed to have dinner ready for him and everything but the husband doesn't give you any type of affection any type of appreciation doesn't pick up his share all he does pretty much is just go to work and bring home the bacon and everything or doesn't even treat his wife with respect things like that you know then as a female i'm sure that's going to irritate you quite a bit but if your husband is loving you in the same kind of manner as like jesus loved the church and when you saw how far he went for his church he died for his bride you know and continued to love her even though she was fooling around and everything you know and that's you know in terms of the wire church if you give your wife that kind of love then there's a malfunction on her part if she's not going to give you the respect and honor those things and be willing to do those things for the person that she says that she's in love with and married her husband so that's kind of the thing that I'm looking at in terms of, you know, why the feminist movement happened in the first place. It's because the men were not holding up their end of the deal and got yeah. stuck with these kids. And then after that, it's like, you know what? I've had enough. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's career first and then me 
sometimes in the mix as a trophy. That's pretty much it. And then they have it. And I can understand that. Yeah, one thing, if I if I can um, play off of that a little bit, the, the one thing that I, for whatever reason, this really grabs my attention because specifically taking this back to how that applies to the, the specific conversation we're having about Anita Sarkeesian in video games. At the end of the video, she cites three video games that have uh, that very specifically deal with examples of how of games that deal with women and do it well. She chooses Passage, To the Moon, and uh, what was the other one? Passage to the Moon and Dear, Dear Esther. Esther. Yes, and Dear Esther. And, and the reason why those three examples are so significant because I played through all of them, I like all of them. Every single one of those has a, a female character in a traditional family structure. It, it, the, there's there's a, a husband and there's a wife, and they all have a very strong domestic scenario, and they really are dealing with the subject of of marriage and you know is the man standing up to when he needs to be. Um, and things along those lines. And Passage is just a five-minute game of, you know, it, you can you can experience the whole thing. It's about the passage of time. Uh, it's a free uh, game made by Jason Rohr. Um, and Dear Esther is actually just ex- much more dealing about with uh, the loss of, of a spouse. I believe it's a spouse. I'm, I'm not 100% sure because the whole game flows in, like, this narrative prose. Um, but To the Moon is entirely about losing a spouse and, and coming to the end of your life and reflecting on your marriage. Um, and how well you handled all those things. So what's surprising to me, uh, uh, you know, for Anita coming from a very feminist perspective, that the examples that she chooses as really, really good are all very specifically games with women in kind of traditional gender roles to some degree. But they're just drawn really well, in her opinion. Mm, that is interesting. Makes sense, though. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It does make sense. To what Justin said uh, about biblical manhood, I mean, I'm, I'm entirely in that camp. Uh but I got two two responses to that. Firstly, I I definitely agree that the men have dropped the ball in society in general. But uh, I think there is also but the reason why this is the case is the sin, right? And I think the sin much of the blame we can put on men, but I think women has also are also guilty of some sin. I think the women have the sin of wanting to dominate over their husband. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a gender rever- It's a role reversal. Yeah, and role right. reversal if is, you think it's of it rebellion. That way. The rebellion of God's ordained thingy, right? If you don't use the word hierarchy, uh, um, <laughs> you don't want to quite go hierarchy of being, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just hierarchy um, inside of a marriage in the marriage covenant, right? Are we are we all complementarian? Because uh, it, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and egalitarian would definitely disagree with us there. Uh, but um, yeah, and and the second point is is okay. So we we kind of identify the problem, which is sin. So how are we going to deal about it? Um, the feminist way of dealing about it is let's campaign and let's be militant. But I think we know better. The only way to deal about it is to repent and go back to Christ. So, you know, that, that isn't going to happen unless people go back to Christ. Right, right, yeah. right. And, and I think that's what Josh, what, you know, was, what, I think it's the irony of it, you know, of what, um, when, um, Josh, when you brought, <laughs> when you brought that up, <laughs> is that the old ways work. Because they're what God was instituting. His way works. And I think it's just amazing how before people can catch themselves, they look towards this model of total love in this family, in the, in the family structure. They look towards that model and want that model so badly. But at the same time, you know, when we get down to um, the specifics of Christianity, it's like, oh, I don't want that. Like, wait a minute. You do want that. <laughs> It's totally something that you want, and I think that you know us looking at the spiritual implications. Because I'm big, I'm big about actually doing things about stuff. 
I really am. I don't like I don't like to just leave a debate, you know, and that and that go out transformed in some kind of way, you know. I like to actually put these things into action. So mm-hmm. I think the thing to look at is that based on what what she was as she was asking for, you know, or what the, the roles that she was saying that you know that she enjoyed was you know the dear estimate the traditional roles. I think it's a better thing to implement that within our um, within our own families and really take a look at, you know, is it really she's saying or is it the spiritual implication? And of course, we're going to go towards the spiritual implication because we're in spiritual warfare. This is what's really going on. So I think to promote biblical manhood and to look at feminism as sometimes being a way that it can bully a man, you know, it can be used in that kind of way, no different than, you know, a black militant can use that to bully his way into um, intimidating white people. It can be used in that kind of way, too. So I think it's just kind of finding ways to teach about the the specifics of biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. Yeah, I think it's important to note in there that I I don't necessarily believe that she's saying that those those games provide necessarily an example of good domestic lives or the the, the fact that she feels that that they're calling out that quality as much as the fact that she just felt that they were very well drawn and that th- they were examples of good good handling of a female character not necessarily to say like this is the ideal gender role here or something along those lines but just specifically think, that they respect women and, and tell their no, stories I think the well. point is it, it shows a more nuanced character development of a female character yeah uh, that also a point which I think is, I don't know if it's related to the pack that just happen to be more traditional roles. So she doesn't mention Tomb Raider, correct? Uh, she um, probably will like, at another time. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, in another, in another trope. Probably yeah, when you, when you start dealing with a subject of, of feminine sexuality, you can't necessarily in video games you can't necessarily skip over Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah, she says <laughs> that she has six tropes, uh, and the damsel yeah. distress is just one. Yeah, so she's probably coming. Yeah, out. and this has one more part coming out to it at this point in time. Wait, this is just the first one? No, this is this is it's the first and second that she has available at this present time. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is a long series. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's and, and that that has some a lot to do with you know how it's persisted pretty much the entire. I mean, it, I, I, that's my perspective. That it, it is something that's kind of all over a, a very large variety of video games. And anyway, it looks like Brian had a question. Is that wrong? So. So we've talked about gender, we've talked about race, and Justin's offered a real good background or kind of a differing opinion just from his life perspective as a colored person, as he said. So that means I can say Justin. <laughs> he's, 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 fu- he's fine with whatever kind of term you want to use. So, so we've talked Rock about and roll, buddy. <laughs> gender, we've talked about the you know perspective from a colored person, or I'd like to go now is with Yan and Yan just I feel like Anita ignores the cultural context of the entire damsel in distress trope. How is that viewed uh, from where you're from outside of the United States? Mm. Do you do you come from more of a patriarchal society? Ooh, I'm going to use yeah. that word. Um, yeah. Um, uh, the traditional oriental uh, culture is pretty patriarchal. Okay. Um, yeah. But I mean Singapore in particular is much more cosmopolitan. Uh, we have very strong feminist movement in Singapore as well. So culturally, just speaking for us a Chinese, yeah, we are strong, we are pretty strong patriarchal. We use the word, uh, we don't use the word as a taboo in Singapore, it's still, it's still used. Um, the man is the head of the family. Uh, as far, and not now anymore, but maybe around 20 years ago, uh, parents would prefer to have male kids instead of female daughters. I think that's, that, that's pretty much the Chinese kind of culture uh, 10, 20 years ago, probably is still uh, among the older 
older the um, older generation of Oriental folks, I think Japanese, Chinese, Koreans, I think some of them still think that way. Yeah. So, and, so still more traditional then. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to recall our folk folk tales. Uh, most mm. of it are still the male hero rescues the female damsel in distress, with a few exceptions. I think one notable one is Mulan. Have you all seen the Disney? Yeah, yeah uh, probably yeah. inaccurate, but it's a pretty good movie. It yeah. is not I mean, inaccurate. There is a dragon that follows her around and cracks jokes yeah, the entire yeah, time. Come yeah, on. dragons are totally real. Yeah, and it's a colored man voice. Colored yes. man dragon. And it was yeah. a colored man. That's right. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh. God, yeah, Justin, you've you've given me liberty, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't be oh, such a cracker. Freedom, where I go? <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, I, you know what? I I like tropes. You know, I don't like the when they say trope, it makes it sound like a negative thing. Yeah, it has uh, negative connotations. But I I think these storytelling what do you call it themes general idea these things have been repeated throughout every single culture that has ever existed on Earth. The quote unquote damsel in distress has been a thing that's existed in perpetuity since who knows when, right? And people have been telling and retelling these stories, and they appear in all popular literature. Popular novels and stuff have always used these kinds of familiar themes to people. You know, they want to be the guy that saves the day, or they want to be the cowboy, you know, that sort of thing. You know, our cultural context is more like, well, we like uh, cowboys and American Indians, but, you know, (laughs) there are others out there, right? And these get used over and over again because they say something that is true about reality and that, you know, there's good things about being courageous and there's good things about saving people. And I'm not sure why it's necessarily a problem that there's a female on the other end. Now, I could see that it could be a problem if the female is victimized. That's obviously not okay. But I think it's very difficult to make a case for why is something victimized rather why is something not. <laughs> I just like storytelling tropes, quote unquote. So where we saying. haven't gone is that the Bible, uh, you know, the church, the relationship of Jesus and the church is it's as a damsel in distress needing to be saved, correct? I would make that case, yeah. Yeah, and they're absolutely helpless to save herself. And the metaphor yeah. is used throughout the Bible, correct? <laughs> At least in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. The, the interesting thing, though, also thinking back to that, though, is that like once you look at a lot of the female stories throughout the Bible, is that very, very, very few of them, with the exception of, of the example of the Bride of Christ, are that story. Like, I think of, like, Deborah, I think of... Uh, Xena, Eve. warrior princess. you think thinking of Ruth? Because Ruth's story Ruth, is all about yeah. submission. Uh, well, Ruth's story is also mm. about her going after what she wants to Very some degree, proactive. too. Okay. <laughs> to some degree. I mean, like, I'm not saying, like, it's entirely, like, like if she didn't actually, like, reach out to Boaz to some degree, um, it would it would be very one-sided. And even if you look at, like, we're talking about the Bride of Christ, there's still a certain aspect of of mutual dance there. You know, the, the Bride is talking yeah. at one point and the, the, the Groom is talking at another point. It's not this patriarchal, like, Jesus is, is rescuing her and she has no say in it. it. It's this aspect of, he is my beloved and I am his, I am his. And I'm going to go, there's one point where she goes out and looks for him in the Song of Songs. And then there's another point where he goes out and looks for her. And that it's this, and this comes back to the whole, like, egalitarian versus complementarian, blah, 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 blah. But just that aspect of, um, you know, Jesus isn't going to be rescuing his church if she doesn't want to be 
reaching for his hand and 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 taking to, taking him him uh, hand in hand to some degree. Um, and as we as men as the bride of Christ, which is kind of a funny biblical per, uh, reverse sec, uh, femaleism of of uh, the biblical analogy. Um, but just having that perspective is is sometimes really good to realize that we are the damsel in that story. Also, <laughs> yeah, if yeah, in 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 the 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 that whole in terms of the grand of metaphysical reality, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But also, is, women is supposed to be helper to man because that's why she's called wool man, right? <laughs> There's all these sorts of very specific things in scripture that say that you know women and men are different and then the metaphors are used so that you get the point better than you would otherwise so the allegory and the metaphor is used to convey the point in a particular way so that it's more understandable to a general audience without getting bogged up in like well here is how it works (laughs) yeah 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 it's more spirit than it is law from what i've you know from what i read yeah Um, it's usually like a good idea to go with more with spirit than with law. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we go from here? Yeah, I'm I'm at the same question. <laughs> Are we done? <laughs> where do we Where do we go from here? I mean, my my big thing. We go to bed. I can't go to bed. I have to go to work. Um, Justin needs to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, Justin. So where do we? I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, my big thing is that I think that the feminist trip. Uh, feminist frequency videos have an agenda and that's that's my biggest thing and I, you should know that just from the word feminist being thrown in there and I just think that we need right. to be wary and cautious of that as we view these videos and I don't think you have to necessarily embrace them wholeheartedly and I don't think it's wrong to be critical of them I think that she's come up with a lot of really good things especially the violence against women in video games watching mm-hmm. that second video was actually very hard for me to do just yeah, to do and- some of the clips that she showed they were gross yeah, she uses the word trigger warning because of the fact that they quite literally are uh, trigger triggers for people who are vi- who were victims of violence. So I, can, I wouldn't I, I would recommend that. it for anybody who's under the age of seventeen even watching the video. <laughs> Just I, yeah, I think what I disliked was was how obscure a lot of the games that she pulled from were. I wish they would have been more mainstream? popular examples, mainstream examples. Yeah, that's that's really the direction I wish she would have gone. And instead of some game like The Darkness or what were some of the other ones? The Shadows of the Damned. I have Dante's Inferno. Dante's Inferno. But, well, These Dante's are all Inferno, games. Dante's Inferno games. is a really interesting one to talk about. We, I, 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 would, I would maybe want to dive into that at another point, but... The the one game that she does she does cite as the biggest example is Grand Theft Auto Three, uh, in which at the very end of the game, after you've done all the the main quest missions, you save the girl, and he's walking into the they're walking into the sunset together, and she's being annoying, and all of a sudden the very last thing you hear is the ring out of a gunshot. He shot a location. pigeon off to the side of the road. That's all that was. <laughs> was it, why, why why do you guys have to go to the dark place where he shot her? He shot a dog on the side of the road. It's That's supposed all it to was. be funny. That, the whole game is about black satiric humor. <laughs> I mean, it's it's stupid. Just admit it. Yeah, I think it's funny. Maybe I'm just weird. Oh, yeah, I do like I do like randomly mowing people down in a car though. But we'll, we'll get over that. <laughs> See, the whole game is about it's, like it's it's black humor. You're I mean, playing that's, with that's a violet palette. That's just how it goes. <laughs> like Chris Rock black humor or what kind no, of black no, humor? No, no, it's no. not colored humor. It is black humor. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> very good. <news. laughs> oh, it's, it's not dark skinned ah. humor. It's. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here, Justin. This this makes it better. This is uh, 
Justin, this is our cracker humor. You just won't get it. Oh, I see. <laughs> this is, it's I like it's like open. It's like I opened the oh. cracker jack box up and there's nothing inside. I was like, where, where, what happened? <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, all right, gentlemen, I, I need to go have dinner now. Okay. What are you eating? Anything good? Uh, Chinese food. Oh, Every day I eat Chinese food. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> that is so stereotypical, Yan. Thank you. Very good work. For me. <laughs> and now that we've devolved into racial stereotypes, <laughs> it's time to end the podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Justin does to me all the time. We're talking, and suddenly he calls me a Negro, and I call him a cracker, and then he ends up in some weird places. <laughs> like, like I said, I apologize in advance. I, I did that. I apologize in advance. <laughs> You're See, just subverting racial norms. That's all. It's kind of nice, though. It it allows an open discussion that isn't. You know, you don't have to be afraid of offending somebody because Justin is that relaxed over his skin color, and that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It, there's there's a method to the madness, so you know you can't say we are all over it if it's a taboo subject. Yeah, and I like I like Sorry. that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like having the conversation where I say something and then they go gasp, patriarchy, right? <laughs> and then that's like that's totally offensive to me. And I'm like, how am I supposed to have a conversation with you if you're offended by something that I said that I didn't know was offensive? This is happening a lot. I want to be a victim, please. <laughs> Zach, I want you to victimize me, please. Zach, does that have a lot to do with your academic experience? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. You have to make. You have to be very careful. It's like walking on eggshells, mm-hmm. and you're not allowed to just say something. You know what I mean? So it's like a stealth game, huh? It's a lot like a stealth game. Forget that. I like walking in and just shooting stuff. I'm not. I'm not gonna play this. <laughs> it would not do stuff. well at the no, no. university school of theology. No, forget that. Forget that. <laughs> I like stealth All games. Right. All right, I'll catch oh. you later, guys. Later, you man. Thanks, yeah. All right, good evening. Bye-bye. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Specifically Dante's Inferno. <laughs> okay. Can I just quick say something? Like, all right, have so any of, have any of you guys seen or played Dante's Inferno to any degree? I played the demo, and I, I, I had to put it down. I, uh, yeah, I no. played the demo, I saw the movie. and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> There's a movie? Yeah, it's a, there is a movie. You said it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's a Dante's Inferno, which is the volcano one, and which was not the one I meant, but that's so <laughs> funny. Dante's Peak. No, no, that's it. That's it. That's it. Saint, wrong Dante. Wrong, wrong Dante of noun. Um, but um, the the Dante's Inferno. Um, there's an anime of it. It's kind of. It's a lot like um, Aeon Flux. It's almost done like that, where they have different studios do different um, animation or different okay. chapters of the stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot like that. So um, I Peter saw that. Chung? And hmm? is Peter Chung? Was he involved in any way? Uh, I I honestly don't know. That's um, interesting. I just, yeah, so, I just saw it on the Netflix one day, and I was kind of like, oh, look at this on the and Netflix. On the Netflix, you gotta put the definitive article when you talk about things, you know, so. Yeah, um. I think I did see it in Netflix in passing. But the, so, the game the game in particular, I mean, it's weird because it's a game based on, like, a, I believe it's in, uh, like, 800 AD. Uh, oh, no, um, it was when, written during the Renaissance. Dante, okay, Renaissance. Ali, uh, Dante Alighieri. Yeah. He wrote right. it as, kind, some people say he wrote it as a diatribe against the Catholic Church uh-huh. for being too prudish about certain things. And it's basically Dante, the poet, He's, yeah. he's a character in his own poetry. He walks through various layers of hell with Virgil, who is an ancient Greek poet. 
and they go into every level of hell. And it the game is at best based on the concept rather than the actual text. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's pretty terrible. Like the, the the very beginning of the whole basis of the game is you have to steal death's scythe and kill people so that kill the whole way through hell so that you can get your disembodied naked wife back. Nice. From hell. <laughs> nice. Awesome. But that was yeah. that is Renaissance dress for women, which was that the breasts were exposed and the dress is actually slightly below. Oh really? Yeah. So it's not necessarily nudity for nudity's sake. It's actually historically accurate. I know. Weird. <laughs> I don't know why I know this. Okay. No, that, that's, that's strange and, and somewhat interesting. But yeah, I mean, but from, from, from the perspective of, you know, the people who I see playing this game, which are teenage boys. <laughs> yeah, well, they wouldn't, obviously. And, and the whole, like, you know, this, this game was like the embodiment of, of teenage power fantasy mixed, mixed with, uh, you know, some level of religious pretext. Well, once she's so, floating as a ghost and her breasts are still exposed, that's when I get off board, because that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. <laughs> that was actually one of the things that, that uh, Miss Sarkeesian featured in the video. And whenever you see that those segments, she actually has her little feminist frequency vectors covering up covering up the, 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 the naked spots. Yeah, actually, I don't think she went far enough with that game. Yeah, There's because a... there are, like, vagina monsters, like... yeah. And <laughs> there are literally vagina monsters. Yeah, and, and then they have like basically the boss who has her breasts, and then they open up and like unborn fetuses pop out, Ooh, demon yeah. fetuses. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, don't know. I, I remember hearing that it went really, 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 really dark places, and and like was meant to to be the embodiment of hell, and that people thought that it definitely got there. Wow, I probably should have put a disclaimer before we started talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that in. I'm gonna edit that in. Yeah. I'm gonna have like big sirens. Woo woo. Yeah, trigger warning. Um, <laughs> yeah, trigger warning indeed. Yeah. So, but but the reason why I wanted to, to specifically bring up that particular example again, another American-made game, another major. You know, this is meant to be in the like Devil May Cry style of of game, um, and and it wasn't it wasn't received well. Critics panned it pretty universally, um, but um, it was you know one of the big releases of that season, and it was in. Uh, the the marketing channels for teenage boys to see and eat up and and grab and and buy and still is in any you know GameStop you can just pick it up and buy it yeah <laughs> um, which you know is just those are the kinds of examples that I'm very very glad that um, that Anita is calling out and saying this is wrong could we stop doing this <laughs> <laughs> I actually think a lot of the examples she cited are much have much more in common with the idea of the slasher film right. Because mm. the slasher film became popular in, like, the 70s. You know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff. So a lot of the games she picked out are these sensationalist, exploitation-style flicks of the video game world. Mm. And they end up not selling as well as a lot of games because they're really they're purely for shock value. And they kind of copy other games to the letter. Yeah. So maybe that's where I'm coming from. And, and I think that's where... Prototype 2. And... Yeah. And that's where Brian's probably coming from, too, right? Is that the games are just there for shock value anyway. So... Yep. Yeah, and they're not really representative of the games that sell the most, or or the games oh, that I play at all. I, I've yeah. never again. I haven't played any of those except for Prey, just for a few minutes, and that was it because it was a really bad game. <laughs> but that was my problem. I wish they would have been more mainstream. It helps to relate a little bit better. But I just I can't think of any mainstream games that do that, and they probably do. Well, I mean, Gears of War is pretty mainstream. Um, Max Payne is pretty mainstream. But uh, in any case, I mean, Gears of God of War and all those. But the, the not neither here nor there. The point being that um, if I, I think that it's, it's a shaving off the top kind of thing. Like those aren't the games that we're playing anyway. So I'm completely fine with her criticizing them and saying let's you know not do anything along these lines 
anymore, you know, game developers. Let's see what she does with the next couple videos, and maybe we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about it. But probably not. This is a pretty long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty long. Actually, one more example that I was thinking of: the last feminist reaction to video games that I remember was Penny Arcade wrote a comic, and it was basically about World of Warcraft questing. And yeah, um, I know I know where you're yeah, going with this. And the the, the <laughs> it was basically about rape as a joke, yeah. being raped by dick wolves. And people went into a furious frenzy about this. And yeah. so they kind of, they were reactionary in probably the exact wrong way by oh, making yeah. a t-shirt out of it. Yeah. <laughs> that was not helpful. No. So we basically, people even in the games industry are having the exact same reaction as the people against her. And perhaps that's not the best way to react to them because they're just adding fuel to a fire that doesn't need to be lit so high <laughs> yeah. and, and and just dealing very insensitively with the subject of rape is is something that's if ever dealt with in in fiction needs to be handled very 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 carefully because this is this is something that 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 you know quite honestly does happen but that's the same reason why i won't watch clockwork orange or you know and anything that has uh-huh. has those thing kinds of things in it and why i have absolutely no qualms with saying probably not a good thing to have rape in video games to any degree um Um, there is a raping video game i'm pretty sure uh i'm sure it's i'm sure it's japanese wow you are very it it is it is what is it rape play is that what it's no rape rape play rape play rape play there's a whole bunch of those kinds of games um because of the hentai market in in japan they they, like basically pervert in japanese yeah yeah to, to, to them, like, it's a... I think they view it more like it's something that doesn't really happen too often, so it's almost an abstract concept to them. And I think that... And I think culturally, um, because the women uh, are supposed to be very um, picky over there, it's more of a power fantasy, you know, than something that actually occurs a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it's, a, it's a cultural difference with why that actually yeah even. and that gets that ends up getting integrated into things like fan service and anime and i mean i guess you could call it objectification if you want but i, I think there's probably a deeper root to all this because it's based off of their original woodblock you know styles and that sort of thing popular works of art well okay this has been going way too long <laughs> i think we need to uh, just about stop this this has been the theology gaming podcast this has been a very fruitful discussion see you know what? If you yeah. guys talk to each other like in real life and not on a Facebook wall, it makes it a <laughs> lot easier to. This is, this is real life. Wow, yeah. this is way different from what I expected real life to be like. <laughs> <laughs> See, you find out you agree a lot more with people than you thought you did. Oh yeah. Instead of, yeah. Well, so. I mean, we all love one another. I, I knew that going into it, but you know. Yeah. Virtual hug. I like yelling too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for participating in the discussion, Justin, Brian. Josh, it's great. Yeah. Mm, Josh. <laughs> All right. If you want to see more of these people or their writing or more of these podcasts, obviously Theology Gaming is one place, but if you want to see Brian Hall's writing, you can go to johnnybgamer.com. That's his personal blog. If you want to see more of Justin, just find him on social media somewhere and give him a ring. Or you can find him on his, his game release 
which is still in development. And he needs to go to sleep so he can develop it more. And Josh is can be found in a number of places. With Love Subverts is his personal blog, but he can also be found on Game Church. Yeah, also Substance TV. Yeah, yeah. Substance TV. Which you also, you know, kind of got me into. So, yay. <laughs> yeah. As far as the podcast goes, please uh, comment. Did you like it? Please give us five stars if you do. It'll help us out a lot. <laughs> please tell your friends. Also, trigger warning. <laughs> With that, I leave you. Signing off. Say bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Excelsior. Later.